Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Today, we're discussing power savant Mark Chalet. Mark Chalet was the unconscious iconoclast, stubborn and steadfast beyond comprehension. Mark had an unshakable belief in how best to weight train. He eventually squatted a below parallel 1,000 pounds in training and 940 in competition. Mark deadlifted 880, weighing 270 pounds. He set a dozen world records in the deadlift, and Marty was his training partner and competition coach for six years. So Mark was a powerlifting savant. He asked for no one's opinion about training. He had one way of training, period. That was it. Mark staked out the uber extreme of, of ultra minimalism. He trained minimally with each session. Uh, and listen to this. He did three lifts and three lifts only. One done once a week for a single periodized rep. He trained, trained infrequently and he championed the rested effort. Mark showed us how little was needed in terms of training volume to become massive and strong beyond comprehension. Never has a man done less and gone further than Mark Chalet. Very interesting that, right, stuff. Marty? You couldn't yes. do that. That's good writing. Who wrote that? That's some guy. <laughs> yeah, Mark. Uh, hey, Mark they... Marty, you couldn't, you couldn't do less, right? No. Yeah, it would be impossible. You, you wouldn't be doing anything. <laughs> well, um, it was totally unique experience. Let's see. Uh, particularly, like, well, partic partic particularly for us, because we were coming from Cassidy, who was like, uh, I mean, he was crushing us twice a week with long sessions. And then to go from that, we were, I guess we were in Hughes' basement for five years, myself, Marshall Peck, Joe Ferry, probably Dan Pinkston, two or three other uh, Dimaduck came out of Hughes basement. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't. Mark opened his gym, I think, in 1980. I'll pin this down. I'm, I'm due to visit Mark in the next couple, three weeks. So we'll, we're going to pin all this down. And that was in where? Landover, Maryland? Uh, Temple Hills. Temple Hills. Right off inside the Beltway in PG County, right before you go over the river into Virginia. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, uh, you know, and I really haven't quizzed him on what, how he came up with it, but basically his strategy was, he says, hey, what do they make you do in a powerlift competition? <laughs> you make it work up to a single rep and the squat, the bench, the deadlift. Hey, guess how I'm going to train? That simple, boys. Exactly that way, yeah. <laughs> and every you know, session, every now, on Monday, all we did was squat. No, I'm sorry. Monday, we squatted and benched. Okay. Thursday, all we did was deadlift. Nothing else. Work, but, up, to, but work up to a single rep, right. and they wore their gear. So every it was a, a split powerlifting competition every week, right? How many weeks out was this, Marty? Or is this oh, 12 weeks. We'd start 12 weeks yeah. out. Okay. So and, gear and, and everything, just treating it just like a meet every training. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Take wait, wait, Marty, Marty, just so everybody understands, when you guys trained legs, when you trained squats, you did all your warm-ups because, you know, yeah. it takes a while to warm up to the weight that you guys were doing. Exactly. But once you got to your specific, your specified weight for that week, 
you did one set of one rep. That was it for squats. You were done. Correct. That's it. And you did that uh, once a week, once a week. But you trained twice a week, but you you did legs and and bench. No, 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 no. All we did on Monday was we worked up to a single rep in the squat. Right. Right. Then we worked up to a single rep in the bench press. Right. Bye-bye. Thursday, we came in and we would work up to a single rep in the deadlift. Bye-bye. Yes. And that so was let's go it. back. Let's go back. To <laughs> what? That's got to be fake. Come on. That's fake news. Well, go back to Monday, Marty. Go, go, go back to Monday. You're benching. That's bullshit. He's got to do 500. What does he do uh, warm up wise or, you know, before he. Oh, well, now, now you got to remember that uh, now Mark would start uh, a training cycle, typically out of shape and underweight. Okay. Um, because he didn't, guys, yeah. yeah, he didn't really, honestly, I'll let him say this, but let's just say I never really saw Mark do a lot of off season training. Right. You know what I mean? He seemed to spend more time in the tanning bed <laughs> than on the <laughs> gym floor. <laughs> Mark had one of the first tanning beds he loved that thing. And he was just a brown as a berry boy. I'll tell you what, and I, I think he wore a sock. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's like thing. Jim. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jim doesn't wear one. No, no socks. No sock uh, so anyway, so Mark, I don't know. He'd like we'd start off the cycle. He'd be like you know, twelve weeks out. Well, actually, you know, it's really uh, for him. It would be fourteen weeks out because another thing about Mark is he didn't want to do any heavy lifting for fourteen days before the nationals. Mm. Not even bench. Um, I will, we'll talk to him about it. I'm pretty sure would you have taken a bench workout? It would have been 10 days out, but squat and deadlift 14 days for sure. I remember Kirk talking about that years ago. That yeah. Was a, that was standard thing is like you take, you know, so for two weeks, they're not doing any squats or deadlifts. You're not doing jack. Just but, trying but, to keep but, your body weight up. But Marty, can I ask you before the 12 or 14 week cycle starts, how long was the off season? So he wasn't lifting it oh, all yeah. during the off yeah. season. Yeah, good question. Well, usually um, about the same length of time. You'd have, okay. uh, you probably have two major contests a year: the the nationals, and if you qualify for the nat, you know, at the nationals, you'd go in the world team. Um, and we'd usually take a local meet, but the local meet would just sort of be. So we'd have two major meets a year and then a minor meet, but the, we really wouldn't cycle for the minor week. We just do the minor week wherever it fell. Like a training day. Yeah. Yeah. Like it might be six weeks into your prep for uh, the, you know, the nationals. Okay, great. Well, you know, we're going to go to Temple Hills open. Right. And we would do that. So you'd have two, two meets a year, which would take uh, 14 weeks each. So what's that? 28 so how much is left over? You'd have maybe, I don't know, a couple months in between each one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're coming off the the nationals of the world, you know, you don't kind of sick of power training. So Mark didn't do a lot in the off season. So when it was time to get serious, he was usually out of shape and underweight. So he might come in weighing what, 255. But even at 255, his first week, he's jumping in at 700 in the squat and the dead 
and you know 400 in the bench Jeez. right uh, because he's 255 and 5'9", and he's a strong guy, even when he's out of shape. Yeah. And then from there, each week, he would systematically add body weight, uh, and he just responded. I mean, he just muscled up, and he would typically gain uh, 25 pounds. Uh, one time, we pushed up the super heavyweight. He gained 35 pounds in 12 weeks, and <laughs> it seemed like every, every ounce of it he got harder as he got bigger. He was not a, Mark was not a stuff your face kind of guy. We ate more than he did. He was not, Mark was more of a grazer, you know? Maybe he could assimilate all that stuff. I mean, what he took in without taking in too much. Well, you know, it's all about if you can, if your body uses it or not. So maybe. Well, he whatever he was doing, it, it worked. He had a low yeah. body fat percentile. Yeah. You know, and he was extremely, he was a big guy, but he was extremely athletic. Right. Extremely muscular too, Marty. And, and really, and Jim, this, this, what the way he trained goes against everything that we know about mm -hmm. building muscle for the most part, um, training it so minimally and training, you know, hitting singles. That's it. There's no time under tension. There's no, there's no reps. There's one rep. You know, it just goes against, and you look at pictures of him, he is massive. Marty said he's got the widest shoulders you probably ever saw. His chest is huge, arms are massive, legs, everything. Big, huge hands. Little bit. He had like the hands that were cut off a seven foot guy, right? Like yeah. there's some seven foot guy running around with little tiny hands because Chalet got him. <laughs> <laughs> in some genetic mix. In some genetic mix up. Mark had huge hands, which made him just ideal for deadlift. Man, he could grind a yeah. deadlift, brother. Well, oh. Cone's the same way. Yep, Eddie. Eddie's got uh, kung fu grip, as we used to say. Yeah. But Mark also uh, was a great squatter and um, natural squatter. We had to knock his depth down a little bit when I started coaching him. He was a borderline guy, but it, he wasn't too bad. And he, if you competed in the USPF and the IPF, you had to be below parallel. Right. And that was tough, man, because <clears throat> they they got stricter in that era. Uh, I went, actually, I went back the other day. Somebody sent me some video of, I don't know, the 1970-whatever, four world championships. And it's Pacifico and Cuck and Don Reinhout and and all those guys, you know, that first wave, Doug Young, you know, all the first wave of superhero powerlifters. Yeah. Their squats were sky high, man. I wouldn't have really? passed, I wouldn't have passed one, of, one of them, you know? Uh, and we just looked back and we went, yep, that was the judging standard of that era. You know, it was just, it was just okay. Um, and everybody was doing it. And it was pretty consistent. There wasn't anything... But everything was high. So anyway, but getting back to Mark, we really had to work with him. Get your depth down, get your depth down, get your depth down. You're just, you're in that gray zone, right? And the rule was at the time, if uh, squat had to be, if you're an IPF judge, <clears throat> squat had to be unquestionably below parallel. If there was a question in your mind, if you thought it was in the gray zone, flunk it. Mm -hmm. 
I did not go to the runner. Uh, you know, it was a, it was really cut and dry, and, and I loved it because um, we had been getting higher and higher. You look at uh, the Bridges, the Mike Bridges era, right? And the the squats that were getting passed were getting higher and higher. I'm not pointing Mike out. I don't think that Mike was a, was a high squatter, but I'm just saying hit that era. Yeah. And they had a kind of a come to Jesus meeting at, at one of the, uh, the executive committee meetings that they have in conjunction with the USPF national championships every year. Those used to be, man, you talk about come through grip. There used to be fights break out at those things. Mm. Right at the power, <laughs> at the power, at the power lifting, uh, you know, the organizational is like, Oh my God. So, uh, but, but they did, they had, they said, look, we've got to tighten the judging up because what was happening is the guys were going to the worlds and they were getting, they were bombing out. Cause it was super strict over there, right? At, at the international level, they were super strict and at, at home we were too loose. Okay. And so it was like, come on guys. And everybody agreed. Yeah, you're right. If we're going to compete in the IPF, which is the only world federation, there is no other world federation. Um, you you have to abide by their judging rules and squats have to be below parallel, benches have to be paused and locked out, deadlifts have to be erect, uh, you know. But Marty, Nate Foster told me, hey, man, most people don't know. There are 28 causes for for disqualification in the squat. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. But before they tightened up the, the judging and had you go parallel – uh, at least. I mean, what were they judging the squad on? I mean, I, I don't get how far no, down they had to go. I know, I know, I know. Once you're above a line, yeah, then what's the it's, guideline? it's like, yeah, okay, so we fail his high squat, but we pass his high squat. Yeah. And actually, oh, that's another little side story that happened to Mark down the road. We'll, we'll get him to tell that one. Uh, but anyway, getting back to Mark. So Mark would have these mini powerlifting competitions. That's what they were. You would come in and there would be uh, at least three platforms going simultaneously, sometimes four. And at each platform, there would be different strength levels. And everybody would be doing, if it was Monday, everybody at all four platforms would be squatting and then benching. Okay. But on platform one would be what the little guys who were, I don't know, what, squatting up to 400. And then, you know, platform two, you got the guys up to 500. And platform three, the guys five to 650. And then on the main platform, the, you know, 650 and up. Right. And well, I mean, if you have 25 lifters. Yeah, I just think it's cool, man. I just think it's like, you know, it's just neat having everybody in the atmosphere must have been electric. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the main platform, there were big weights being slung. Like I said, they started it. I mean, uh, entry in the poker game was 700. Yeah. Know, squat and deadlift. Mm-hmm. You know, and after 12 weeks, it's self-justifying. If you make your goal, you, first off, we had a periodized goal. We broke down. All right, Mark, what do you want to, what realistically do we want to hit this cycle? Okay, I'd like to do whatever, 850, depending on what his body weight was at the time, you know, um, 
I want to do an 875 squat, uh, a 500 bench, and a 850 deadlift. Okay, great. Um, so we'd, we'd lay it out. And typically, we would jump 20 pounds a week in the squat, 15 pounds a week in the deadlift, and 10 pounds a week in the bench. Right. So if you work backwards, that gives you, you work 12 weeks backwards, that gives you your starting weights. And it would typically come in at 700 squat, 700 bench, a 700 squat, 700 deadlift, 400 bench. Let's go. Now, Marty, can you clarify that a little bit? Because when you guys started the cycle, you weren't at using your max weight. You were oh, no. what you would well, come off well, of. Well, like you were what, you were you were 10, max 15%? you were max weight for being out of shape and underweight. <laughs> right. Yep. Now, everybody, you know I mean? every platform. Yes. Singles. Yes. 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 Everybody that, doing yes, singles. Yes. Yes. So, now there was a little. There was a little. Um, differentiation at the end, but that caused a little friction. Um, yeah, everybody people was... To, people wanted yeah, to do something different. Yeah, some reps, yeah. and they're like, what's going you on? You did a double, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I had to do a double. Well, <laughs> well, they didn't have world records, did they? Uh, well, some of them did in the future. <laughs> so, but, but you but, dare do a set of three in this gym. But the, Jim, that's <laughs> yeah. a good question, because I wanted to find out is okay uh, during these mini uh, powerlifting competitions. I mean, is everybody lifting Pre like chalet? Yeah, that's pretty right. much right. Yeah, that's right. It was a singles festival. Nice. <laughs> and you trained that way the yes. whole time you were with him for six years. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, I had, I would, um, yes and no. You do a little on your own, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Cheat you sneak on a little in. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> you cheat it on Chalet from time to time. Quiet. Don't, don't show that with him. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just going over here in the corner and you're secretly doing push, some push no, 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 no. No, it would be on different days. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, anyway, but it worked. And he had, Mark had many followers he had many normal street guys and local guys who would come in and mark would say well this is what we do here and we're gonna put you in some gear and you're gonna do some singles and let's go <coughs> and uh you know they um anybody that does that for a cycle or two i'm convinced will improve you just don't want to make a steady diet of it. But I don't think anybody's suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is that I think that it stakes out the extreme left of the volume equation. Right. <clears throat> I think Arnold Schwarzenegger stakes out the extreme right, right yeah. of the or volume equation. Or in powerlifting Kazimir, right? Like we talked yes, about. Yes, yes. And Eddie, Eddie is a power bodybuilder too. Yeah. And, and Brad Killingham. Yeah. Brad, Brad does a lot of training. Uh, you know, uh, but again, I would point out that uh, Kaz owned a gym. Uh, you know, Brad owns a gym and Ed's in, in the gym quite a bit. And when you're in the gym quite a bit, why, why the hell not? What are you going to do? Stand around and stare at the equipment? Well, right? but Chalet owned a gym. 
Yes, he did. <laughs> and a big phone, from what I hear. Oh, Marcus. I think he was on the phone a lot. Yeah, he was the best. Yes, that. Yeah, I told that he had. <laughs> Mark was on the on the forefront of the yeah. of the electronic revolution when you didn't have to have your phone attached by a cord. Yeah, that was a big breakthrough. But oh yeah, it was like magic. But he had this gigantic phone that had an antenna that was like six feet long. It was just portable and it was white. Oh man! And he'd walk around, and a lot of the time he'd walk. He he'd do crazy, crazy stuff. Like he'd make his brother Ray <laughs> wear his super suit around the gym to get it um, loosened up. Yeah. So the, he'd like, like if he bought a, like if he bought a new suit. Now this would be like like Mark bought a new suit from George Zangus. I think that's who we were using. Oh yeah, marathon. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a marathon. Oh, we got a new suit. All right, so he'd make his... Ray was taller and thinner, but Ray was muscled up too. Well, kind of. Um, but so you come into the gym and there's Ray Chalet walking around the gym in a super suit that he's stretching out for his <laughs> brother. He's going to wear it later that day. And I said, you know, maybe you should wash it first or something. He said, don't worry about it. It's great. It's great. It's great. <laughs> And didn't, and didn't you say, didn't you say Mark would take the uh, the brick phone in the uh, in the uh, tanning bed with him or something too? No, I never saw him do that. Um, but uh, him, <laughs> him and him and Mark Dimaduck. Mark Dimaduck was another. We saw more of Mark there for the tanning bed than we did uh, him training. He trained with us, uh, but Mark Mark had his own thing going with at his uh, townhouse in Oxen Hill. But he would he would uh, he he train with us periodically, and he would attend a lot of our sessions. And so, yeah, Dimaduck was on the scene. Dimaduck and Chalet were original training partners. Fier fearsome duo, fearsome. Did he also boys. train the same way? Uh, no, um, no, he didn't. Mark Dimaduck was an interesting mix halfway between. Mark Dimaduck was a thinker, and he thought much about training, and he was what I would consider a training expert. And I would say his training was halfway between Hughes and Chalet's. Mm, okay. <clears throat> right. Um, but again, but but getting back to Mark and why I think he was important is because um, he, him and also Ken Fantano, who we'll, we'll talk about in a second, they really spotlighted for me in a very empirical way and exposed me in a very empirical way to, you know, you can get stronger doing a whole lot less. And, and like you said, you guys are kind of gobsmacked even talking about it. Well, imagine after you do it for a couple of years and you improve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Marty. Now, because now, now, I wouldn't quit in the off-season. In the off-season, I do my my bodybuilding stuff. I do front squats and, you know, power cleans and a lot of arm work. You know what I mean? That's what I would do in my off season. But when it came time yes. to get ready for the, for the, you know, okay, Marty, we got it. We're going to the, you know, the, the nationals here. We're going to the, the national masters or whatever. Uh, let's go, let's go with the show in Chalet and let's do this thing. Right. So don't you think he would have benefited from some off-season work? I mean, he just didn't do you anything, know, that's a, right? That's a great question. And I've been asked it a lot. But 
And at first you go, it's easy to say, oh, if he had only done this and that, he would have been right. greater. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know that that's really true, Jim. What do you think? Well, he had to have years of training behind him before he started all of this. You know, he was an athlete too, no, right? No, no, no. He, never, he, he no, just trained 12 weeks a year? Well, no, I'm just saying this is the way he trained from the time he touched the barbell. Yeah, so he always did singles, but he used to train year-round, right? He, they had, he started off, and his, his pop was a high-level cop in the D.C. police force. He eventually, if he didn't run it, he was like the, you know, the lieutenant colonel of the D.C. Yeah. police force. And so yeah. they built a shed in his backyard that okay. him and Dimaduck and a bunch of local guys trained in, an unheated shed. They trained in there year-round, and they got really strong. And then Dimaduck went over and started training with Cassidy and, and Mark ended up going away. Mark went to college. Mark went to college. Mark actually spent some time working for the CIA. Wow. And uh, yeah, I know. God, could you imagine if he'd walked into the interrogation room? Yeah. Man. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jones would like to have a few words with you. We're going to leave the room and uh, Bobby, turn, turn off those cameras. Yeah. Let in the gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but he left the CIA to apprenticeship under Larry Pacifico, which is a funny story too, which Larry Pacifico was the nine-time world champion, the incredible king of powerlifting. And he, Larry happened to see Mark Chalet at the National Collegiate Championships, where as a 220-pound lifter, Mark pulled 800 in a third attempt deadlift and got turned down two to one to lose the title. Pacifico was so impressed. He said, son, I want to give you a, a scholarship to come work for me in Dayton, Ohio, in my warehouse and I'll, or in my, one, of my, one of my gyms, because Larry had a string of gyms. So Mark said, yeah, that sounds great, man. I'm going to go out and I'm going to mentor under the nine-time world champion, Larry Pacifico. He's a god. So he did that. And he went out there and got settled in and Larry called him up. So Mark, well, we'll be training at... Uh, you know, the, the, you know, the Dayton facility at 9.30 on Tuesday. And Mark goes, ah, that's okay, Larry. I've got my own thing going. I got my thing. <laughs> He's, Larry's like, and Larry tells, Larry told me the story in Hawaii. We're, we're in Hawaii together having drinks. And Larry goes, he goes and Mark's like, and so I said, what? <laughs> and Mark goes, oh, yeah, Larry, I, I'm, I'm really into this. That I've got this certain way of training. It really works for me, and it's great. I appreciate the job and everything, and I'm gonna work the hell out of the job. But you know, I, you know. But and if you need spotters or anything, I'll come by. <laughs> but and that's so that's so funny. But that shows you how laser focused he was on what he was doing. I know. And what uh, an independent guy he what was. What an individual. Yeah, he's an individual. And, yeah. and, and Larry was his mentor for the rest of his life. In fact, one of the greatest compliments I ever got was from Ellen, his wife. And Mark was acting out for some reason. And she comes to me in a huff. She goes, you've got to talk to him. He's acting crazy. There's only two people in life he listens to. You and Larry Pacifico. Oh, that's a compliment. <laughs> I know. That's what I said. But, but Marty, he never veered off of, of the, um, you know, the training, the no. type of training that, that we're describing here. He, he would occasionally do some crazy stuff. Like he was able to do a stiff leg deadlift off a hundred with like 845. What? Yeah. Right, just 
showing off, you know, you know what I mean? Hey, how about this? But I'm, no, he, I never saw him do a curl. I never saw him do uh, a lap pull. I don't, I don't even think there was, a, was there a lap pull down machine in the gym? If there was, it was over in some dusty corner. But, but so <clears> just another thing that just goes against everything we ever talk about, you know, about changing things up and, you know, confusing the body and, and pulling arrows out of the quiver and, you know, so he, he was just an individual guy that was almost different than just everybody else. He did his own thing and it just happened what to was work. The, what was the first words I used in the article? Iron savant. Yeah. I mean, true. So, I mean, a savant, a savant is just, you can't duplicate it. I really want to know, though, how he came up with this strategy because he didn't learn it from anybody right that's the way that's that's what we do in powerlifting. yeah it what and he says it this simple it's like what do we do and he says and everyone's like whoa how about this you know double cross matrix uh periodization strategy with the triple wave and he's like it's it's all bs he says what do we do in powerlifting? we work up to a single in the squat the bench the deadlift why should i avoid that why should i not practice that and get good at that did he ever miss? What do you mean? Did you ever see him miss during that training cycle? Yeah, yeah, occasionally, but that, that would be rare. That would calibrate, or how rare. would that work? Yeah, you'd have to. You'd, we'd recast the cycle. That's where you. That's and you, a lot of psychology comes in because you get to the ass end of the cycle, and maybe <clears throat> life is coming in and he can't keep his weight up or he's having issues with you know whatever money or what you know what i mean and and the head your head is not screwed on straight and, and focused on the national championship coming up because of your situation right so yeah you're supposed to pull eight twenty four weeks out because you're looking to pull, I don't know, 860, you know, that's what you've got penciled in, but you miss 820. Oh my God. Now you're going to have a nervous breakdown. Expecting 860, you just missed 820. What do you do? Well, you got to blow it off. You got to pretend it doesn't happen. And we got to recast the cycle. Typically what I would do is say, Mark, all right, we've still got four weeks. Here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to drop back 15 pounds we're going to still arrive at the same place but instead of 15 pound jumps we're going to take 20 no big deal and he comes in the next week and he kills the lighter weight right now he's got his momentum back and boom here we go yeah 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 yeah. but if you try to go up if you try to go oh blow it off mark that 820 let's just go to 8 835 no that's not going to work bro Be, but just it, think about that for a second. 20 pound jumps on the squat a week from one single all out rep. That's it. 20 pound jumps. Well, if you back it up though, over a 12 week cycle, that's what 240 pounds. Right. right. Is that right? Yeah. 12, no, that's right. Yeah. Well, 20, something like that. 20, but 20, that, 20, no, 20 pounds, 20, 20 pounds a week over 10 weeks is 200. So over 20, 20, over 14, it'd be 240, right, Jim? Yes. Yeah. So, so you start back 240 pounds over what you want your target to be. You, right. So if you want to yes. squat, let's say if you want to squat 840, 
where do you start with 700? That's 240, right? Six, seven, eight, 40. Yeah. <clears throat> now, right. now, Marty, if the ultimate goal for the squat, as an example, is 840, the next, you get done with that uh, competition, you come back to your, your next competition the following year or whatever, you go from the 840 to now what is your goal? 860, 850? Well, it kind of goes, I mean, that that's if ideally, yeah, optimally yeah, that's what you a million but, other factors. I, I will say this, and and I work with more, I guess we probably went to four or five national championships together. And when I started with him, we were and he was a 275, 242 or 275, or anyway, his squat when I started with him, I think it was about 860. And when we ended, he posted an official 940 IPF. And he hit a thousand in, in training that was below parallel. I know because I gave him the up call when he did it. <coughs> right. So he was a bull moose, man. And that same cycle that he squatted the thousand, he pulled at 880 with room to spare. And I was like, man, you could pull 900. Well, we'll save it for the competition. It never happened because his deadlift in competition always suffered because he didn't have to squat 900 before he deadlifted right. on, thir on Thursday, right? His back was fresh, his legs were fresh. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, now he's got a pulled the big deadlift and I think it's amazing that he pulled the 860 repeatedly in competition with the pride back and he never thought about doing both in the same day like you, like oh, you no, no 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 <laughs> I got my thing I got my that's insane that's that's even in, mention it. that's insane talk steel that'll get right. you if you brought it up you just look at it bro <laughs> that'll get you banned from the facility <laughs> now this is the same gym where he had a tray and the criminals put their guns nah, in it. No, 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 no. I don't want to get into all that. Let's it's imperfectly primitive. It's imperfect. <laughs> I'm just trying to nah. set the I'm trying to set the scene. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Okay. We you wrote it in your book. You wrote it in your book. You can't <clears throat> we can't deal in absolutes in this day and age. We have to we have to hedge and this day and age sucks by the way. Go well, ahead. I know that, but that's the age we live in. So anyway, let's just say that there was a, there was an inordinate amount of high level police, Alphas. Alpha. police. Well, everybody was an alpha and police, but there was also a very sizable element of people with criminal records. Right. And, but this was like, in the movie Casablanca, this was Rick's Cafe where the night Nazis and the partisans all showed up to have a drink. And it was like all bets were off and everybody, I had, well, I had a high level Prince George's County undercover cop as my training partner. And we would have in our group, a Baltimore cocaine ring enforcer. <laughs> And they didn't know they they were training with me unbeknownst to one another as to their occupations. Oh, they didn't know. 
No, no. Mar that's, Marty that's, brought that's, these that's two guys together just to be funny. Well, no, that's how we know because the one guy had a, a 650 deadlift weighing 215 with a 32 inch waist at 510. That was the undercover cop who packed two 45 pistols. And the Baltimore cocaine ring enforcer had a 570 bench weighing 275 with a 9% body fat percentile. He looked like Thor. He had long blonde hair. He paid cash for a liquor store in Baltimore to launder his ill-gotten gains. And he drove a brand new Lincoln Continental every year. And he was 28 years old. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the good old days, the land and of opportunity. I, right? And I just said, boys, let's just, we got to contain the conversation. So yeah, like, forget all that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, and, and that sort of, it's like going into a dojo or whatever. You yes. turn around and bow to the outside and then you bow <clears> to the inside because now everything in here is just about the training. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and let me tell you, the, the Baltimore guy was one of the top guys in the country and the, the undercover cop won the police and firemen's Olympics with me coaching him. We, we went to Indiana and he crushed out there. Um, these are good, good ass lifters and good athletes. And, uh, but they just, you know, they were on the wrong side of the law. Yeah. But it didn't matter because no one was talking about that. Right. That's what I like. This, we didn't have time for that because it was so much about, we had Bob Brandon, Bob Brandon had gotten out of jail on manslaughter. He had done, I think, nine years for killing a guy in some sort of a, you know, a brawl. And, you know, he would travel up from Richmond every twice a week. And it was just, it was a great group, man. And, and I, I tell the story in the book. At one time, I counted 14 guys there that had pulled 700. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and it was no big deal. It was just like, oh, there's Bobby, there's Mark, there's Ray, there's Marshall, there's Joe. Oh, there's Dan. Oh, Mark Dimaduck's here today. You know what I mean? It was just like that. It was just the guys. It was no visiting superstars or anything. It was just guys in the neighborhood. And, and most all of them had benefited from that ability. Doing singles is different. There's an art and a science to it. And it it's a lot of it is mental and psychological and psych and how much of you can you marshal yeah. for a past capacity effort. And a lot of people miss that because they go, well, you know, a three, a three with 300 is worth a one with 350. And I said, well, not necessarily, dude. You know, all these rep tables, they're all false. Some people are reppers and some people are singlers. You know, no so I, Jimmy, we knew a guy, you and I knew a guy who could do 22 reps with, I don't know, 405. Right. But he could only do a single with 485. Right. Now, when I did 20 reps raw with 400, I squatted 600 raw. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's my spread. I mean, some guys are really good at repping. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's, it's a fiber thing. It's a, you know, and women, and I know the women can do up to 50, oh, 20 reps with 80%. Man. And I can do like six reps with 20%, with, I, 80, I, with 80%. You know? Yes, it's mind blowing. They could do like a 10 rep max, and you go, wow. And then you put a one rep max on, and they miss. <laughs> well, you had 15 more pounds, and they struggle with two. It's like, yeah. what happened? That's been studied. It's fiber type. It's the. Well, well, at Chalet's, it was all about whatever it, it takes. It's like, dude, you get you get one crack at it, 
and yeah. you have to live with yourself for the week and you need to make your number. And that's another thing. Everybody had a number. And we were smart about the, and everybody says, oh, straight line periodization, that's for morons. Yeah, that's for um, iron savants who can pull 880 because uh, it works. But you, you have to be subtle about it. And uh, you, you, you can't be overly optimistic going into the beginning of a periodized cycle. Right, Jim? Yeah, and it's, and it's got to be planned. It can't be haphazard. No, written all out. It's got to, and that's what people have to understand is that, you know, these jumps are thought about, you know, you've written everything out, you know, and everything is, it's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it. Training for a power lift to me, not the singles is the only way, but with the linear, how else would you do it? You have to get heavier every week. You know, you you want to, you want to rip those weights up the first four weeks that develops your your momentum going into the real work. You, those first four weeks, you want to just get in there and just say, Oh yeah, you know what? I'm a manhandle this thing. Watch this. And then you bang, you rip. And then, and it's, Oh, I'm getting these singles. Now I'm getting this thing. And so then by the time you get to the second four weeks, that's when you hit the fives. Well, well, except in Mark world, that's when you hit the weight where you really got to, okay, now we're starting to get into new territory. Mm-hmm. Right. And the but were final you guys four grinding weeks, out? No, that grind would occur in the last four weeks. If you had okay. to grind before, well, Chalet was different because he had those hands. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that Mark had an explosive speed. He was mm-hmm. like a, he was like a road grader or like a, one of those giant trucks. And with that grip and those hands, he could hold on to it longer. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the thing with that, he could, he could grind all day. Yeah. Compare that to what you had to do with Kirk, where you said, listen, oh. your hands, your grip is your weak link. Your back and legs can go all day long. So we got to lift this thing as fast as we can. Uh, we had, to, we had, we had to cut Kirk's pull time in half. We had to go from three seconds. He, if he had any grind at all, he would lose it. So it's like, nope. You got one and a half seconds to pull that sucker to lock out, and then hopefully that guy will give you the down signal. And Mark could wrap his fingers around the bar twice, right? (laughs) Oh, the the thing with Mark was is that we were always arguing. No, it never stopped. We'd tell him ahead of time, it's not going to stop. Okay, it's going to go slow, but it won't stop. I would yell. I would yell. Stay with it. Stay with it. Did you notice my voice went up? Because that's the way I would yell at the referee before he, like, he'd come out for something. Also, Mark only had two deadlifts in, in him in, in competition. He said, I only got two shots in the gun, man. Mm. So the first attempt was basically the last warm-up. Okay. If we did that. A lot of times you just take the take whatever, 700, and then go, okay, all right, give me whatever, eight is the opener. And then he just said, what do we need? And it was either to win the place, you know, to, to, to win it all, or, you know, okay, well, Mark, I need 830. Okay, load it. Let's go. And we'd go from 150 pounds back at the subtotal to win. And these guys are shocked, stupid. They're like, what? Because you know what I do? I'd always put in a low opener. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So they'd always think he was injured. If they knew him, they oh, yeah, Chalet's off. Yeah, his deadlift is off today. And he was able to take big jumps, though. Oh, well, no, he didn't need it. He would just take, whatever, 780 as an opener, and then just say, Marty, do the math. What do I need to win? Right. 
you need eight eight twenty five. Okay, great, loaded. Let's go. Yeah. And he would just take that second deadlift, and boom, that was it. And and if we couldn't win, maybe we're behind John Gamble. He said, okay, well, what do we need for second? Okay, well, to beat. Uh, uh, Let's see, who would we be up against? Uh, oh, Dorsey from New England. Uh, you've got to pull 845. All right, load it up. Mm. And <laughs> then he'd have at it. Yeah, that's the way it went. But again, he didn't have to squat 900 on Thursday. So he was always looking to try to equate and equal. Right. How was his best how training? Was his, uh, how was his bench, though? We never talk about his bench, he, but if you look at not, the picture, he is massive. Yeah, but you know, his long arms worked against him, right? That was the problem. Yeah. What worked for him in the deadlift and what was neutral in the squat, he just, and because of his width, he just was never, he was a 500 guy. Mm-hmm. But in that, in the 275, 600 was, well, 600 raw was world record kind of level. But they'd have yeah. a lot of, they had a lot of 550 guys, a lot of no 550, shirts. a lot of 570 guys. No shirts yeah. back then? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the shirt. Oh, like era. So, so it was, and then there was a period, you know, where they banned them. They had been in and then, then the IPF banned them and they took them out. For, so it was, it was an off and on thing. Um, but no, it was, his bench was his weak point. And we always gave away 50 to 80 to hundred pounds. Just knowing you could make it up on the deadlift. Well, and, and he was a big squatter. He, he always stayed with the pack. He'd go, even at the nationals, he'd be in the top three in the squat. Yeah. If you're squatting nine, geez. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that was but the thing that got us in the doors is he was a really good squatter. It's it's interesting though he it sounded like he lagged a little bit on the bench but he never tried anything different he kept to I the know. same training style yeah. as uh, you know yep. the other lift <laughs> yeah that's right yeah like so he, he never he never went and more. did an incline or a, or a close grip bench or anything like that not not to my knowledge <laughs> but we got to get this through our heads he only did three lifts. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just yeah, it's hard to believe. And only this is like a fairy tale. And 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 got results for all those regular people who joined his gym and said, "Give me some of that." He said, "All right, well here we go." Yeah, and they 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 got results too. But again, it's just it's not the end all be all. But I do think that the total avoidance of singles, which is sort of a standard operating procedure in all of resistance training, I think it's a mistake. Right. But you got to have the intensity. The intensity has to be there. Otherwise, singles don't do a darn thing. Yeah, and they can't be so stupid heavy that your technique breaks down and you hurt yourself. You have right. to get to a point where you know, everybody can do anything with lightweight. You know, you can squat almost straight up and down, you know, like leaning back almost with lightweight. But, at, you know, 135, you can do whatever you want. But you only learn with a decently heavy weight. So you got to figure mm. out uh, you know, how and what, uh, what percentage and what weight you need to, to make, not make it so heavy that you can't recover, 
but right. still have to push hard enough that you learn, you know, like I remember Kirk saying one time, like a mark of a really good squatter is to make adjustments coming out of the bottom with heavy weight. Yeah. Like if you feel yourself coming forward just a little bit, that great squatter who's felt mm -hmm. that heavy weight mm -hmm. or can make that adjustment, you know, get back in the middle of your foot. So it's a, it's a science, man, to find the right training spot, you know, percentage wise. Well, first you develop the archetypical technique. You, right. you find that perfect technique for you and your body structure. Right. The length of your femurs, the length of your shins, the length of your spinal column, all of that, your arms. <clears throat> and you make adjustments. Uh, Mark made no adjustments. <laughs> and again, let's look at the other extreme with Arnold doing 700 sets a week in 12 training sessions, 12 yeah. weekly training sessions a week, twice a day, six days a week, go to the gym and weight train. Yeah. That's the one end. <laughs> and Mark Chalet is the other. Yeah. <clears throat> right? Uh, so, but I think it's important that you pendulum swing if you just stay in the exact middle, your, your progress is going to be stunning. Yeah, neither hot nor cold. So, so let's say you got somebody who wants to train this way, Marty. Yeah. How would you do it the rest of the year? You personally, how would you, how would you set it up? Well, first I would start, I think I'd take a six-week burst. Okay. Rather than 12, right? In fact, I got some guys in the gym that, um, yeah, we could, we could snap this on. And, and I would take... Let's say, all right, let's say uh, they have a competition in six weeks. Let's take five weeks. And it's just like each week you're going to come in for four weeks. <clears throat> I, you know, again, for a normal person, I think a week off for in the squat, the bench, the dead is enough. Uh -huh. Just to, I don't know. What do you think, Jim? How much rest would you give 10 days before uh, the competition? Say Deadlift is is definitely can be ten to fourteen days on the deadlift. Okay. All right. Let's say ten days. Yeah. And seven to ten on the bench and squat. Okay. Um. So, you you would have a five week period. The well, you want to back it up. You want to, you want to make it so that you have four training sessions, four complete training sessions before it's time to stop and get ready for the for the meet, not train. So. In those four sessions, what realistically do you want to end up with? I want to come in. Let's say the guy wants to what deadlift 400, 405. For the first right. time, he wants, wants to pull 405. The most he's pulled in the past is 375, 380. Okay. Uh, his training so far has gone good. He stumbled. He was supposed to do 365 for three. He only got two. Mm -hmm. Now what? All right. I say, let's start next week. We're going to start our singles with 375, right? 375, mm -hmm. 85, 95, 405. Boom, four in a row. Nothing mm -hmm. but. Yeah. Have him pull 405 in training because. Okay. You got a 365 double in a bad week. 
In a good week, you're likely going to have 365 for three. I'm not going to tell him that. I'm just going to say this week, you only have to do 375 for one, but I need you to manhandle it. Yeah. He's going to come in. He would have been, if he'd have pulled the 365 for three, he would have been scheduled to pull 375 for three. Now he's only got to pull it, well, maybe on, maybe for two that close in. Now he's only got to pull, pull it for one rep. He's got all that psychological stuff going, right? I'm looking at him. The whole room's looking at him, and yeah. he's going to rip it up. Makes a difference, yeah. And then psychologically, his whole world changes. Now he's got, and oh, no, 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 no power cleans, no chins, no, 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 none of that stuff. That's it. You're just going to squat. You're going to bench. You're going to dead. Uh, four weeks, singles, basically dress rehearsal. Each week, I would have him treat it as if, okay, this week you're supposed to do 385 for one. If that was your opener in competition, how would your warm-ups go? Right. We would do those warm-ups exactly the way it would be if it were competition week. We'd have a miniature chalet session. And uh, that's a good idea. It's a dress rehearsal. Then when you get there, half of the wondering it's, on how it's going to be is gone. You it's know? deja vu all over. Yeah, and you can control all that. So the other stuff yeah. you can't control, like the judges and all that, yeah. it, it does. You know, now you don't have double the worry. No. You know what I mean? Because you've already done all these mini meets. Yeah, that's they they that's all we do. They're four weeks in a row, singles. That's it. That's all you get. Yeah. But they have momentum going into the singles. It's not like I'm saying, you know what? You you pulled three sixty five for two. You should have pulled it for three. So this week you need to pull three ninety five for a single. Right. Yeah, it's too much too soon. Oh, he might make it, but it's gonna be. And then where, do you go? where do you go from there? Exactly. And it's going to be ugly and it's yeah. going to be hurtful. And he's going to have a lot of bad feelings in his body after he does it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Give him 375 and let him crush it. Yeah. And so, leave. You know, you're and, done. And leave. No matter how good you feel, leave it. And where's your body weight? Do we have any room? Can we move? Oh, I'm weighing 178. I'm lifting at 181. No, it's not 181. It's 181 and three quarters. So you got four pounds. You need to put on a pound a week in these four weeks. Let's get it going. Don't come back here next week at 178. Right. I want you at 179, 180, 181, 182. Push it to 183 because that last week nerves alone is going to knock two pounds off you, brother. I promise. Yeah. Just thinking about the meat. Yeah. Chalet was putting on about two pounds a week, right? Yeah, like a machine. Yeah. But again, never, I mean, we go out to eat quite a bit. Like after we'd, we'd train, we'd all like pile in vehicles and head to Chinatown and, you know. <laughs> so much fun, man. Yeah, man. We go, uh, we get, I uh, found a place where they had uh, incredible whole Szechuan crispy fish, right? So we'd have like, eight guys and everybody would get a Szechuan whole crispy fish. <laughs> <laughs> everybody had their own fish, right? Yeah. Uh, one, one time, Mark, we had, we had these back in the day, this was in the mid to late eighties. They had these flaming liqueurs. Remember those? Yeah. 
they set them on fire and then I think they have a blue flame and then they go out, right? And then you drink it. Well, he had one of those and somebody jostled him. And so the, the, the flaming liquid went all over his shirt and caught fire. We're sitting in the restaurant and he's got blue flame and he's like starts waving around, uh, uh, right? So you can't blame him. You can't blame I know. Him. He's waving around, making it worse. Everyone else is like, you know, they're a bunch of, what's going on? He's all. <laughs> Didn't he know a, to stop, drop, and roll? Yeah, I picked up a picture. <laughs> I picked up a picture of water and threw on it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody went back to eating their fish. I said, that's yeah, the end it was, of that. It was, yeah, it was interrupting the meal, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hungry. yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, that was stupid. <laughs> Szechuan whole crispy fish yeah man that was a good eating baby so anyway but uh, Mark was never stuffed his face although he had one one crazy he had some crazy advice Um, one of his bulk up strategies we'll have to get the exact number I think I got it right was when it was time to put on weight over the course of a day he would eat 18 ice cream sandwiches. Say, uh, ice cream sandwiches? That, that'll do it every time. <laughs> yes. And I would I ask him, I'd say, Mark. Oh, from highs with the real crispy wafers. <laughs> I'd say, Mark, why not 17? Why not 19? Why 18? And he'd say, like, 18 really works for me, Mark. Yeah. It, it's so mad, <laughs> man. And, you know, I've talked about that with, with bodybuilding stuff. I, I believe cinnamon and oatmeal makes you fat. And there's yeah. no research, nothing. Yeah. If I yeah. had cinnamon, I'd be like, I'm getting fat from that. <laughs> 18 ice head. cream sandwiches a day. He's eating ice yeah. cream. 18. 18. Yeah. 18, 18. You know, and, and it worked like a charm for him. You know, so yeah. anyway. So, Arnie, can, can, can we talk about the central nervous system? Because... Mark oh, actually yeah, 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 yeah. kind of tapped into this. I don't know if he thought of it this way, but oh, he, he did, kind man. of paralleled uh, Charlie Francis, which was <laughs> Ben Johnson's sprinting I coach. I know. Talk about all that. Mark is is um, compulsive, obsessive as he was about singles, was also compulsive, obsessive about rest, recovery, uh why you guys doing all that other stuff that's stupid all that does is cut into your recovery you know that's so stupid why are you doing those uh tricep kickbacks that's so stupid you, you know what i mean yeah and, and well, why are you doing those leg curls you know oh yeah yeah that's really helping oh, that's really helping your dad <laughs> <laughs> and meantime you know so uh yeah, and 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 he used to tell me he'd say, "I'll show you." And he, I'm pretty sure he was taking off 14 days between everything. There was uh, a, a period where he wanted to go to every other week. He wanted to squat one week and bench. I mean, deadlift the following week because he felt he was not recovering yeah. from his 900 pound squat on Monday to his 800 and 40 pound deadlift on Thursday. He may have a point, man. He knows his body. Well, I mean, the, yeah, it sounds like a lot of damn weight because, you know, you don't just like JP pointed out, you just don't walk in there, load up to 940 and 
do it. You got to go 255, 455, 545, 655, 745, 855. You know, I mean, that's a lot in between, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. And then on deadlift day, you got to go, you know, 255, 455, you know, 545, 605, you know. And he just said, man, my back is not, my back is toast. Yeah. From those squats. Yeah. A few years back. Remember Artie Dreschler, Marty? Yeah. Okay. He wrote wrote, a great book. Oh, yeah. That's the best book ever written. It is Encyclopedia of uh, Weightlifting. And he used Cone as an example. And everybody was like, well, how can Cone, you know, do that with just one set of three at 900? And then he added up the total tonnage of all his warmups. And it was a lot, man. And I could see how to try to recover from all of that. I mean, you're, you know, you're still squatting over 800. You're still squatting over 700 on your warmups, 600 on your warmups. It's a lot of tonnage on the body. You know, it's like so getting a car wreck. So if you're a, a 600 pound squatter and deadlifter, you're going to do that four times a week. No, no way. That's what Olympic lifters do. They work up to their maximum. Oh, I see what you mean. Poundage. What does yeah. an what does an Olympic lifter do? They want us to follow their strategy. What is their strategy? Their strategy is on their lifts. They work up to their your absolute all time best lift every session. Yeah, that's the book that's here. what they do. That's yeah. what they do. That's what they do now. That's what they do to this day. Uh, but it's a hell of a lot easier working up to your all, all time best when you're working up to a two hundred and twenty pound snatch and a three hundred and eight pound clean and jerk. Well, than, a six, than a 600 pound squat and a 600 right. pound deadlift. And in addition, you don't have the lowering phase. You can drop it. So that takes no a negatives. lot of soreness and muscle damage and neuromuscular damage out. You know? and, and there's just an athletic skill. Right. Ours is a biomotor. Linear. It's straight up and down. Yeah. And again, you can't compare the two. It's like, what, why there's, there's really no logical reason why human beings are even doing Olympic weightlifting. The only reason we do it is because somebody in the year 1900 thought it'd be a good idea to put this in the Olympics, but there's no physiologic reason for doing a clean and jerk. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, that doesn't equate to anything in life. When was the last time you used a snatch? (laughs) In, in your life, log. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it, it's like we're, we, it's like the bent press was in the Olympics, you know? It's, it's a skill. Yeah. It, ours is a power. It's, it's, it's a biomechanical body strengthening thing. And when you are handling maximum weight in the squat, in the deadlift, there's no way that your central nervous system is going to recover. And, and do you or do you not buy into the idea that the central nervous system should be recovered before the next training session? If you don't, then we have nothing to talk about because in our world, we yeah. do buy into that. And that's what Phil and Wagner and I always talk about. You can tell with his, with his uh, Sparta uh, equipment, that if the central nervous system is dampened, we talked about it being dampened. You don't have that snap, snap, right? With the coming out of the bottom of a squat. How could you? Yes. How could could you? Right. How could could you have a maximum speed in a clean 
when your central nervous system is 79% recovered. Right. Somebody no, explain, explain that to me. I don't, how can you have any, how can you have anything less yeah. than, uh, if you're not 100% recovered, how can you generate a maximum effort? That's but Marty, so Charlie Francis had a unique way. Now he worked with sprinters. He could look at them sprinting, running, and if it didn't, if their steps didn't sound right or something yep. like that, he would say, yep. "You're not recovered. Leave. You're not rested. Come back yeah. the next day or whatever. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. your central nervous system is totally fresh and recovered. Did, the, did Mark ever? Did Mark ever come into the gym and go, you know what? I'm just not recovered. I need another day off and come back the next day. Did he do no, anything? Like that? No, because you have 30 people there. Yeah. There's a, there's ready a, to lot, lift. Of, a lot of psychological pressure. And, and again, a lot of, he's the main man. He's the star of the show. Yeah. But it sounds like he got enough rest anyway to fully recover. Most well, again, how did he cope with it? Well, first thing is we cut loose everything extemporaneous. Yeah, nothing mm -hmm. extra. Nothing. Secondly, we, we don't do any additional reps. <laughs> yep. Third, we're not doing any kind of like cardio or dance aerobics or Jane. You know, we're not doing anything that cuts into the recovery. We're not, we don't have a day job as a laborer or working construction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and so your entire existence is sort of centered around you run this gym, you take in enough calories. And again, calories, <clears throat> that's another thing. I think that calories are hugely underrated yeah. in terms of, of accelerating recovery. I think that, did we talk in this article about the recovery points? I think that was in a different article. Different one, but, I think, yeah. But they're, you know, to accelerate recovery, calories are number one with a bullet. Um, steam bath. Uh, what else, Jim? Uh, hydro, you know, massage. Like get, yeah, deep massage. You talk about sprinters love massage, man. Yeah. Uh, high level don't sports. Run, don't team. run when you can walk. <laughs> no, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't yeah. sit while you can lie. Don't yeah, just sit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but even then, I, I think that the problem that Mark had is that his body was a little detuned in that he was not built to be recovered three days later. Yeah, and, it, and, yeah. and it really bit him, it really bit him in the ass on, on competition day. He never posted that 900 deadlift. He was more than capable of. If they had had single lift competitions back then, yeah. what his, I, I think on his best day, he would have done a 920. Yeah, that's freaking crazy. He might've had to push his body weight up to 285. He pushed his body weight when we were, to avoid Doug Furness at the APF World Championships in Hawaii, we pushed his body weight up to 285. He went up against Danny Wobbler, and Danny bombed in the squats, and we won. And he pulled 860 that day, and it was not a particularly good day. Mm. Uh, so I felt that on a, on a really good day, yeah, I think in a single lift competition, certainly 900. Yeah. Right. And he pulled that in the gym. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I took a, a photo of it. I was right there. I loaded the weights. Yeah. And it was it was it was not an issue. It was not a problem. It was not a struggle. I've seen him with harder deadlifts. Dude, I'd put that on my tombstone if I pulled 900. I'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I 
Uh, anyway, well, we're hoping to get him on here. We're going <clears throat> to get in contact. Yeah, please have him on here. One, one more thing I want to talk about because it's in, it's in the article. And by the way, this, this article, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be up on the website. Um, it's called uh, The Power Savant. Most of the stuff we're talking about today. But um, you said he was like a maniac psyker that would like summon yeah. uh, from the depths of hell this ferocious psych that he had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk about Just, and, and what's interesting about him is he did so little. I mean, to get psyched up for just one set, one rep, um, must have been insane. Oh, uh, he was great. I mean, he was natural. It was real. It was not. You know, not put, yeah, it wasn't put on. It wasn't, you know, a lot of guys <clears throat> when they psych up, you can tell it's kind of, you know, superficial. It's, it's not them. You know it's, I mean? for, it's not them. Yeah. <clears throat> but with uh, Chalet, he was fierce, man. He was just, I mean, he was just, um, and it, so smart. He, he'd only save it for the top effort. Yeah. yeah. Right. You only got and, so much. Yeah. Everything else was, was, was just, Nothing to him. Just you know, what's the what's the way? You know, come up, interrupt the phone call, take a warm up, take off, mm -hmm. come back. When when it starts getting to the big weights, his brother would wrap his knees, and at that point, if he was squatting, if he's deadlifting, it would just pull his belt on, um, and he'd get uber uber serious. And on the top set, uh, he would use the ammonia, and then it would be the ritual. I'm trying to think. Belt went on first. And you'd have to cross-step him and pull his belt. He had the best-looking belt of all time. It was a handmade Dean Best thing. It was like suede or something. It was a perfect, pliable, complete opposite of those really super hard power belts with the sharp edges. Yeah. I hate those. But So you'd pull his belt on, and then he'd snort the ammonia and take three snorts. And right, bop, bop, bop. Each one, he'd get louder and louder. And when he threw that thing out of the way, he's vibrating. I mean, he's just, I mean, and it's just like he swells up. I mean, he's big to begin with, but when he takes those three hits in the ammonia and, and snorts up, it's like, wow. You just, you just jump out of the way or you get trampled. Yeah. And he would just get out there and, and you, you knew he was getting five to 10% more. Well, with, I mean, with, with that with that with that crazed berserker sight and again you can't do that in olympic lifting it's too too complex you can't get to that uh you know psycho killer state of mind and, and expect to do a clean and jerk it's different yep. was he similar to kirk with with psyching yeah. yes yes we had a lot a lot of good psychers george hector or maryland for some reason we had great psychers cassidy was a great psyker crazy crazy people uh hugh was able to take three cooling breaths and the arms on the back of his arm the hairs on the back of his arms would stand up his pores would get wide and his eyes would get crazy and he routinely squat and deadlift 50 pounds more in competition than he did in training mm. wow right and then Dimidoc was, he was another one. He was just, yeah, I mean, you know, that guy was borderline psychosis uh, normally. And, you know, you put some psych under his belt and it's like, man, just keep loaded weapons away from him. And then you go on to Chalet and then, you know, Kirk 
was sort of had Kirk had seen all these guys in action. Kirk understood what real what real psych was all about, and real psych is scary. Well, I told you that story. We're, we were sitting in his apartment in Waldorf, and uh, we're watching old videos. He goes, "This is the first time I squatted a thousand. It was at Chalet's. and he gets it. He's young man, and he gets it. And everybody goes, "All right, easy, easy, easy." Afterwards, because he was so freaking nuts, they didn't want him to <laughs> stuff. I mean, they were literally go there. Everybody <laughs> he, their hands he, out. He, he gets out in front of the bar. Everybody puts their hands out and goes, "All right, all right, easy, 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 easy." <laughs> he might have, he might have taken a flying leap out the second floor window and died. <laughs> it was funny, man. He, he, <laughs> Life is no longer worth living, and then jump out the second floor window and die. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you can get your mind dialed in, it makes a huge difference. I mean, oh, just God, today, yeah. I was at the all gym. I, I was at I was at the gym today listening to some old songs that I haven't uh, listened to in a while, and I got fired up, man. And yeah. those weights just flew. Yes, up. yes, that's what it's you all know? about. That's what we. That's what brings us back. Yeah, I love that. Right. Yeah. That's what, that's still to this day. I can get that. I can make that happen. That's that's what elevates, and that's that's when you really equal or exceed your momentary limit, that's when all the good stuff happens. You, you're right. not going to have, how can you have a fantastic workout when you're lackadaisical? And that's another part of the recovery of it, man. That's exhausting. That kind of psyche, to put that kind oh, of yeah. mental and physical effort together. Yes. Something else that needs to be recovered from. Uh, and again, Jim, how about the, the idea that within a workout, and this is something Hendo pointed out to us when we had him on, you got to you got to come back to normal. You yes. don't just now in a chalet workout, you just had one top effort. Well, two if it was Monday, but in a normal workout, you might have what four or five all-out efforts within a workout where you've got to psych normalize yeah. before you psych again. Right. So you have to reattain that hemostasis, which is just as important. There's no point in just getting psyched for the one effort if you've got four more top sets that you've got to work through because mm -hmm. you just you just blew it for them. I know, man, I watch, it, home. I watch those bodybuilding videos and guys get psyched up for like hammer rows or something. I'm like, what are you doing, man? That's nothing like a squat, man, or yeah. max effort squat or deadlift or I mean, it's just like there's nothing involved in, in that compared to everything that can go wrong, <laughs> right? And the danger and the and the feeling of walking up to the bar and all that stuff, man. Totally different, you know, saving yeah. for that kind of stuff. And you have to get across a two-hour finish line, right? It, I mean, a bodybuilding workout for a top pro. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's going to take a long time. I mean, you're going to do a you're going to do four or five sets of uh, five exercises, four to five exercises, a couple, three body parts. Yeah, and it, it takes time. you got to work through yeah. a lot. You've got to make it to the end and, and you can't have it. So you work so hard at the beginning that all the exercises at the end of the session suffer. Yeah. It's just right? funny. There's no like, point to it, right? What's You beat yourself up so, so bad at the beginning of a bodybuilding session that by the time you get to the final third, your your poundage handling ability is just destroyed. Yeah, um, and they're like, it's, I'm like, it's a lat pull, man. It, yeah, you, 
and their partner's like, you got this, man. Let's go get fierce. <laughs> it's a lat pull. You're not deadlifting, you know, 95%. You well, know. and it might be different if the camera was off. True, true. There are some camera, camera hogs out there, that's for sure. Well, I mean, it's a totally different thing. Somebody's got a camera in your face. You're yeah. gonna act. You're gonna act out. Yeah. Now, do you do it on every top set? Maybe you do, but again, it can't be the deep, no, sincere, uh, gut wrenching sight that a Chalet or a Kurwaski or a Cone. It is another one, man. That guy, he is. He actually generates body heat when he starts psyching. It's like, whoa, is it warm in here? What's going on? Yeah. And he, his psych is so intense that he's literally, he's like generating heat. So it's, it's uh, again, when you see the real thing up close and personal, it's like, that's okay. And, and again, I like a good, you know, but you see the guys all the time at the YMCA. On every set, it's a back slapping. Yeah. Again, I think it's an attention gathering device. Right. Oh, everybody knows that uh, the YMCA was where officially where psych was invented. And it just spread from there. <laughs> and, and gold. Yeah. Yeah, and gold. The Y used to be the place, man. My grandfather used to go there. I was a little too young for him to take me, but um, I know yeah. there was some out in Maryland. Oh God, you know, I belong to a local Y. I love it because it has a, a, I can walk to it and it's got a fantastic steam room. Yeah. Well, you and, do the Nautilus circuit, right? Well, I've actually been Same. using, I've been using some machines lately. I've been experimenting. I'm, I'm, I'm working on some things, but I have to get there at seven o'clock or it's the circus, mm. right? <laughs> I can't take it, man. I can't take it. And it's just, it, <laughs> You're laughing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. The towels everywhere. Uh, Water bottles everywhere. All the lag getting in the car. People upside down on machines, using them the wrong way, (laughs) thinking they just invented something. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's this guy, man. There's this guy. (laughs) This guy's always in the gym when I'm in there. And he gets, he had, he's probably 180. And he's got the 150s out, the 130s. And we're tripping over him walking to get our dumbbells. <laughs> like yelling, you know, he's yelling. <laughs> he's yelling. And he never wears long, uh, short pants. Never. Yeah, and he's like, man, I need a spot. I need a spot, man. So I come <laughs> back because I ain't spotting. And so me and my nine-year-old, <laughs> we're, we're sitting there watching this. And he gets like two spotters, you know, he's going to hand them to him. I got it. I got it. I swear to God, he's doing dumbbell bench. He went about three inches down and pressed it yeah. out and then threw the dumbbells there. And I'm just like, I want to help, but I don't want to help. I, you know, it's, it's just beyond. Help. Well, I, I told you the story last week about the guy that comes in and benches and he, he does, um, you know, alternating arms. So he's got it fully extended. It takes it off the right. He's got it fully extended. He brings his right arm down. The left arm stays up. Then he comes back up. Then the left oh, arm down. Love it. And, um, that you know, that's why I asked you guys last week. I said, is that a thing? Maybe, is that, maybe is, he's on this. You want to know if that was a new thing for Mark? <laughs> I got to know if this, if I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah. They, yeah. That's the latest from the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> what, that, and he yeah. uses some good weight. Didn't he use them like 135? What? Well, yeah. He's got a 45 on each side. So oh, man. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe not. 
That's a risk. That's a risk breaker, man. Wow. They should uh, they should add that to uh, competition, right? You have the regular <laughs> bench and then that bench. Yeah. Yeah, be Maybe it'll be in the next Olympics. <laughs> yeah, along with breakdown. Yes. All right. Well, look, I I uh, I always enjoy this because a lot of people um, this this truly establishes the. F- far end of the spectrum as far as you know if you're thinking about doing minimalism cutting your training back worship you get any less than this and this this created the world world champions yeah the only thing less will be walking in and walking out <laughs> mark austin mark austin, had, mark austin had a great phrase that we loved and adopted he said beer is good for recovery yeah like that, that's because it's got we chromium to colonate we, it, right? we love that everyone's like, oh yeah Chalet said it. Uh, we, and mark didn't drink a lot he, he was a very very drank very little so well, anyway i i hope you get him on because you know we talk yeah, about right. him all the time you've got uh, umpteen uh, different articles on him um the one that's going up this week is uh power savant and it's basically, you know, covers most of the stuff we've been talking and about today. Also, also if, if you are a serious resistance trainer at some point, give some serious attention to singles. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mess around with singles and what the dip or the lap pull down, but, you know, in, in, <laughs> in, in the, well, you know, you know what I'm saying, or in the warm yeah. bench press. Uh, but, but in the major lifts, yeah, absolutely. Give it a give it a shot. And again, your singles should be done with explosion and precision and with a controlled coiled lowering. That way you stay safe. <clears throat> Don't get into the habit of grinding singles because that's when technique breaks down and injury occurs. So right. just stay strict and explosive when you're concentric, stay coiled on the eccentric and Learn to love singles because I tell you what, <clears throat> you think you're good at them, you're not. Yeah. You're right. And with that, uh, check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. Uh, just like I said, this week you'll find The Power of Savant. Uh, great article there. It's on the website now. And then uh, make sure to check out Marty on his Instagram, is, uh, which is at the Marty Gallagher. And of course, his uh, wife Stacy's website is functional strength.org. Yeah. All things Gallagher. Um, right. And anybody looking for gym equipment, uh, flooring, rubber flooring, mats, rolled rubber, anything, we've got it. Go to ironcompany.com. Also, check out our uh, old school. You guys like the uh, old school deep dish Olympic plates? Yes. Because that's that's what we grew up with, right? The, the York deep dish plates, and they clang, and nothing fancy, but they got that big wide lip. You can pick them up real easy and load them on. Um that's pretty much what we've got there. USA made Olympic plate. Um, we've got an oil baked. What we do is we take these things, the, the raw cast iron after the, the plates are come out of the mold. We put uh, vegetable oil on them. We put them in the big oven, bake them at 400 degrees and uh, they get this patina. It's almost kind of like a, uh, like a manhole cover. You see it's get they got this 
patina, you know, the cast iron, the raw cast iron. Yeah. Really cool looking. Or you can go uh, with the uh, standard black powder coat finish. So anyway, they're USA made from 90% post-consumer recycled cast iron. And they're all available for immediate shipping. Awesome. And uh, speaking of Jimmy Steele, here's Jimmy Steele. We've got his articles. Uh, they can be found on our article section at Iron Company. His latest one, now, Jim, I got to say, this one's getting more uh, play than, than most of the articles. It's, it's about old man strength. Yeah. And everybody's identifying with this. Yeah. So, because there's a lot of old guys out there like us, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we all had this fear of our fathers, you know. And of course, when you're little, you know, your dad seems a lot bigger and a lot stronger. But my, my God, wait till your father gets home, right? That's what we used to hear. And um, yeah, the so guys, when Bear Bryant, the guys back then, yeah. Yeah, he was coaching Alabama. He'd get down for years, would be coaching and get down his stance. He would get frustrated with, with guys, you know, do you yeah. not doing it right and knock them on their asses, man. And yeah. He had that old man's train because he was, you know, not a sharecropper, but he was almost, you know, they were so poor and he was, you know, bailing hay and doing all that stuff. So he had boy strength. Yeah, farm boy strength. That's right, Marty. Um, you know, and I use examples of, about my father and his friends and building mm -hmm. stone walls and building back porches and brick fireplaces. And they were lifting weights, man. They were lifting weights. It's something I was thinking about this driving home from the gym today. It was a bunch of submaximal stuff, you know, like this rock only weighs 20 pounds and they'd have a 60 pound rock. Right. Then they'd have another 30 pound, you know, submaximal, some some were really hard and they go back down again. And it was like the total tonnage for the day must have been outrageous. You know? Yeah. High volume training, but no grinding. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Right. All right. Yeah. Now listen, listen, before we jump off, <clears throat> I've been meaning to tell you this for a while, but uh, this is for, for you, Jim. Uh, I'm trying to reread all the great books in my life before I die. Right. So <clears throat> I'm, uh, I came across one that I thought of you. I was like, I haven't told him about this. It's the Green Hills of Africa by your all-time idol, Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. And this is about, in 1933, he took a month-long safari to Africa with his second wife. And it's a 289-page um, hunting book by Hemingway. And it's probably the best hunting book ever written. I have not read Green Hills. Uh, well, I'm telling you, and I don't know why I didn't think about this. I've just been torturing you all these years. But yeah, this, and it's also one of his best books. Um, I, I like his short stories. I don't like him as a novelist. I don't think he knows how to portray women. I hated Old Man in the Sea. Um, but this, I think, is his best. And again, because it's a, a topic that I know because I hunted as a kid, and you'll love it because yeah. he is... And also in this book, what he tried to do is he said, well, he said, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to try to tell it as, I don't know, photographically accurate as possible. I'm not going to try to make stuff up. I'm just going to try to recreate what happened on this safari. Right. So <clears throat> it's an interesting book. And um, again, very, very detailed He's a great hunter. I mean, he had oh, yeah. one incident where he 
brought down a charging lion and because somebody he was with shot and wounded it and he had to shoot it and at the end the damn thing ended up dead in his lap yeah he was a man's man yep. you man <laughs> that's an experience nope. in life so uh amazon that or whatever you do and get a hold of that or put it on kindle i guess is what how do you read your books do you do kindle or uh, do you... well if i'm weird man if i really like it i'll do both i'll, I'll buy it on kindle and buy a hard copy Get the, get the Kindle copy and, and see if the first 40 pages grab you. Because he jumps right into it. There's no prelim. It's just like, hey, we're in Africa and okay. we're, shooting, we're shooting stuff. Okay. Uh, so, but but uh, he's, he's at his um, sparse best, I think. And it really doesn't have any denim on. There's no climax or no real story. It's just like, a, you know, hey, this is what happened on our hunting safari. Yeah, that's good stuff. So. And Jim, after you're done reading that, put the uh, review on your website, bossbarbell.com, would you? Thank you for getting that in. Good segue. <laughs> All right. Good one, guys. All right, boy. All right, guys. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. I'll do you later.